Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of First and, First and Pick 6. Uh, I'll be your host tonight, Brandon. I'm um, joined by the usual two, Tim and Jesse. Oh, we got Jake. <laughs> yep, yep, Jake and Tim. <laughs> Damn, that ain't even a usual. <laughs> it's just been like two podcasts. My bad. Uh, um, yeah, okay. Uh, I guess we'll have a, hopefully a shorter pod for you here tonight. Uh, I got a, the some NBA news with the Donovan Mitchell trade to go over. Uh, some of the NFL, the fallout from the NFL uh, roster deadline, some of the cuts, trades, and signings from that. And kind of just talk about college football. Uh, college football is back in full swing. Uh, so kind of go over some of the week zero and current or already week one games. Um, and then our pickums that we uh, do for that. Um, so I guess we'll we'll start here with the the NBA news that kind of came out that was kind of surprising in my opinion anyways because of the team, not necessarily because of the trade. Uh, the Utah Jazz sent Jonathan Jonathan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, uh, a rookie that they took. I'm not gonna butcher his name. Uh, three first-round picks are unprotected, and they swapped two picks. I'm not sure what the two swaps were, what round those were. Um, yeah, pretty good haul for Donovan. I mean, they get some young talent with Sexton and then that rookie. And I'm a big fan of Lar- uh, Markinen, so uh, pretty good haul for Donovan. Um, and they uh, and the Jazz also extended uh, Colin Sexton too. Yeah, yeah, that was part of the it's a sign and trade deal. Yeah, uh, so overall thing is pretty good for the Jazz. I mean, it, them kind of went into a rebuild mode and they <laughs> rebuild fairly well. They have a good starting point here with uh, the young talent. Uh, I'm not sure how that really helps. I mean, it helps obviously helps Cavaliers, but I thought they had a fairly good young team going. That can kind of mess with that. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts? Are you guys a little bit more in the NBA realm than I am? Tim, I'll let you handle this one first, man. Um, I don't know. I It's kind of hard because I think kind of around the league, people are looking at Colin Sexton a lot differently than they did maybe as you know last year. But I still think he's a really good piece for the Jazz to get. He, he, has, he has some growing up to do still, but he's definitely a big piece. And then... Lowry still has that massive untapped potential, but I mean, of course, it's still that you have to get it from him, and nobody's been able to do it so far. So whether he can develop or not, you know, that kind of kind of turn the trade a little bit more. I know nothing about that rookie at all, um, but from from the Cavs perspective, I don't really get it because you're you don't really have the pieces to be. Like in a win now mode, so I don't, I don't really. It's kind of like a step up, obviously, for them, but it's also kind of a lateral, like, like how far is he really gonna be able to take you when you don't really have much, much else? I mean, yeah, you have Garland, who's a really good scorer, but is that gonna be enough? You know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. See, I'm kind of on the opposite with it. Um, I like it for the Cavs. Um, the Cavs were a playing team last year. Um, they were really good until Jared Allen went down. Um, 
they have um, Evan Mobley, who they just drafted, who is looking like he's going to be an an all-star for sure. Looks like he could be a superstar. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell kind of fits their timeline still. He's only 25. Um, if you look at, you know, what they gave up to really get him, I didn't think it was crazy. I didn't think it was a crazy amount. I didn't think it was a bad trade. I look at, you know, you've got a guy in Donovan Mitchell who's been to the playoffs. He's been deeper, deepish into the playoffs. Um, I mean, he's dropped, you know, 50, 40 pieces on the jet or on the, on the nuggets in the playoffs before, like the, the dude can score having two guys in your, you know, in your front court. I think like that, I, I think it puts them into like the, the mid tier of the Eastern conference. Um, but yeah, I like it. I, does it make him a contender? Uh, I don't know. Probably not, but they're a lot better than they were. And, for once, it looks like the Cavs are doing something actually competent with uh, their franchise. So I like it, and I also like it for the Jazz. You know, they're they're rebuilding. It was kind of clear once they got rid of Gobert, and you you know, I am surprised he didn't go to the Knicks. But uh, I don't know. I like it for the Cavs. Yeah, let's just see how it, it plays out. I mean, it's brutal as I follow it. I see that Colin Sexton's kind of coming into his own. Uh, and and uh, Cleveland and kind of helping that program turn around. It's kind of weird to see him trade him away right away, but you know, Donovan Mitchell's kind of a you know, one of those one in, once in generational talents, sort of in a way. Um, he's definitely he's one proven. of the best players. Yeah, he's definitely one of the best players right now in the NBA. I was, I'm a big fan of, of Donovan Mitchell, so hopefully it works out I there in Cleveland. I don't know. I mean, I don't know very many people that aren't. Um, That's true. So hopefully it works out there in Cleveland for him. Uh, I'm interested to see how how they do with him compared to to Sexton and and that and Lowry. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all the the I'm gonna talk about there with uh, that trade. Is gonna cover it because it's a pretty big trade this off season. Uh, I think we'll go right back into the NFL here. Um, some of the notable. I guess we'll start with. I guess we'll start with the trades because it involves. Uh, the big trade involves. Two of our teams, um, the Saints traded uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson to the Eagles for a 2024 sixth and a 2023 fifth, and as well as sent the Eagles a 2025 seventh. I think this was a pretty bad trade on the Saints' part. Um, Gardner-Johnson's a really good player, definitely worth more than a. F- the fourth and the sixth, or fifth and the sixth, I mean. Uh, so pretty, pretty pumped out him on the Eagles. I think he's going to play the safety for us, which we've been somewhat lacking since we got murdered in Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, Ron McLeod is good, but he has injury history. Um, and we've been going through safeties left and right, trying to find somebody back there that that's solid, and now we have one. So it really just reinsures that that secondary will slay him and... Uh, Shit, I can't think of the other DB we just got this offseason. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really good addition for the Eagles. I think it's a really good, really good trade by Howie. Um, you know, I guess the Saints couldn't reach a deal with Gardner, so they ended up trading him, which I don't know. 
I don't know. He must have needed a lot of money or something because I don't know why you would just give up on him that easy. Not to say give up on him, but you know, train for that little. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see what Tim, what you have to think about considering it involves your Saints. So from what I know, they were four about four million apart, which doesn't really seem like a whole lot considering the caliper of player he is. Um, and, and if you look at it just from a playing standpoint, if they would just let him like play out his contract, he probably you'd probably get like a third comp comp pick basically. Um, so I don't really get it. Uh, it it, it kind of feels like they were sitting there and they like all of a sudden went into panic mode and just took the first offer, and I don't really understand why. Um. It's 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 a great trade from the Eagles from multiple perspectives because they gave up basically nothing for him and he's a I don't know really know where to grade him because he's been playing slot but as a slot like corner slash safety he's been you know top top fifteen probably top close to top ten type corner um really aggressive and I think he's gonna fit well in you guys' scheme um and he's a hell of a playmaker um. So it's 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 a great pickup for you guys and really helps that back end, but it kind of just is super questionable as like a Saints fan, like looking at it, like you gave up one of your biggest playmakers on defense for literally nothing and for what? Because you were four million apart. Like I don't know if he was going to hold out or something, and that's why they just decided to do it. But if you're going to prioritize playing Davenport over him, that makes absolutely no sense. Because that's like the guys that are coming up, it's Davenport and Eric McCoy. I'm probably not paying Davenport at all. But the fact that you'd rather pay him over a guy who is basically helped turn around your defense from where it was kind of in the middle every year to where it's the past like three, four years been a top five defense. It doesn't make any sense to me and I don't think it ever will. So James Bradbury is the other DB we got this off season. I can't think of his name. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's going to fit well in, in Philly. He's kind of got that. Mm. If I am he correct, he kind of has that fuck you attitude that he just, you know, kind of has that kind of like Jalen Ramsey. He fucks mm-hmm. with a lot of guys, um, which fits really good with the Philadelphia culture. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to have on the team. Um, we'll see how that affects Saints. I think maybe they, they've they been listening to this podcast and they're taking my advice that they need to rebuild. They're not going to be shit this year. Uh, so that's what mm-hmm. they're doing. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely interesting. I was definitely shocked to see it when I when I got the notification that the Eagles traded, traded for him. Um, I guess Jake, do you have anything to to add to the that trade? Um, I mean, considering I forgot about it, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, I guess the only thing I can say about it is, um, from the Eagles' perspective, it's it kind of seems like they are um, they kind of going all in to win, and they're giving Jalen Hurts zero excuses not to 
well, let's face it, one, win the, you know, NFC East, and two, to, I'd I'd have to say, at least win a playoff game and be competitive in, in the second round, or they, I could see them unloading multiple picks and maybe moving up in this year's draft. I mean, it's supposed to be a pretty deep one, but, you know, it just, the season really is all about, you know, hurts and can you do it? And then from the Saints' perspective, like, that's tough, you know. Are you just trying to, you know, get assets and kind of stockpile a little bit, and so you can continue to have a solid team? And because that division's, I don't think, in my opinion, is not very strong outside Tampa Bay. And then I, I think the Saints are probably number two. So I don't know. Um, Eagles, I think, are in win now mode, and it's all in hurts. But that's my only really, you know, thoughts on it. Yeah, they definitely Howie and uh, the organization has given Jalen everything he needs to succeed. So it, you know, either he he balls out and he becomes our franchise quarterback, or he struggles and we use our pick. Or if the Saints struggle, use that pick to go get you know one of these quarterbacks in this draft. There's as of right now at least five or six that are highly highly toted in this this draft class. So. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think it also maybe that played a little bit into the Eagles' side because they just made the Saints worse. They have their first. Um, you know, maybe it has something to do with it, but I don't know. Um, another trade that came out from the Eagles was they traded their former first-round pick Jalen Rager to the Vikings for a fourth, a conditional fourth in 2024, and a 2023 seventh. Um. As many people know, this was the pick the Eagles took over Justin Jefferson. Um, he is kind of a failure in Philly. Um, I didn't like it from the start, the pick. But pretty interesting to see that he goes to the Vikings. It's, the Eagles made two of those moves this offseason. He goes to the Vikings where they took Jalen over Justin Jefferson. And then they traded Jay Jaw to the Seahawks where they took him over DK Metcalf. Um, yeah, outside those two trades, I don't think there's really been any other trades that have went down, at least nothing notable um, so far here in the past couple weeks. Um, trying to think of some bigger cuts. Uh, Trey Sermon Trey got Sermon. cut from the 49ers. And it's pretty funny because he got cut, and like almost instantly, I told Tim, "Well, I hope the Eagles will pick him up." And the Eagles went and picked him up. Uh, I like Trey Sermon. Uh, I thought he was going to do really well for him. I thought he was going to be one of the 49ers. Him and Elijah were split carries in that backfield. So I was pretty shocked to see them cut him. I'm pretty excited to see him, you know, come to Philly and see what he can do if he can challenge for carries with Sanders and Gainwell. Um. I think uh, the Eagles oh. the Eagles cut that safety Anthony Harris. Um, that was pretty big. Not really. I mean, it was a veteran yeah, player. Got squad too. Yeah. Um, um, Alex Leatherwood got cut by the, the Raiders and got claimed by the Bears. And the yeah, Bears are the only team that put in a claim for him. First of all, thank God the Bears did that. Saved the Raiders some cap space. Um, second of all, you gotta be pretty bad <laughs> to be a first round draft pick and then get cut by your team the very next year. 
mean, if you, like, yeah, was it like the last three, uh, last two or three draft years, you guys have just absolutely shit the bed. Whether they okay, well, cut, traded, or yeah. in jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, and, or haven't picked up their fifth year option. Like we have, oh, yeah, Josh Jacobs, Jacobs, we yeah. have or Jonathan Abram. Yeah. But. I mean, if you're the Bears, though, that's not a bad choice. Like, your old line's already shit, so you might as well take a chance on a young kid who I still think he has potential. He's just, it, it, he wasn't, he should not have been drafted that high. Shouldn't been drafted at all. Okay, <laughs> he should have definitely been drafted. He's good enough to get drafted. Like, it's just like you're looking at him from the perspective of being a high first round pick. If he was a, you know, say, fourth round pick, he doesn't have near the expectations. Like, you're just looking at it under that super lens, and I get why. I'm not saying you shouldn't be, because, you know, you guys took him in the first round. But the Bears might as well take a chance on a kid and pay him, because they have the most cap space, I think, in the NFL going into next year. And it's by a lot. Yeah, well, their team so, sucks. Look at it. That's what I'm saying. They might as well take a shot on this guy. Like, what's the worst case scenario that happens? He sucks? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Cut him. I don't you, know. just wasted, you just wasted your money in a fucking roster spot is what you did. Yeah, kid with potential, though. <laughs> what? But no, there's zero. Trust me, I watched him play. There's zero potential. <laughs> potential. Dude, I think I could get past him. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've seen some of the clips. I don't know if I would disagree with that. <laughs> Dude, it's, he's, not, he's... it's not great, but... <laughs> Listen, if you're the Bears, like, you might as well. Like, the Bears, they should be called the Bums, dude. They are. That's what I'm saying. You might as well. You're already going to be that bad, and you know yeah. you're going to be bad. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I guess that was a, I don't know if shocking is the right word, but a bigger um, cut. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that was really, I guess, in the, the Husker realm. Uh, Samori Toure made the the Packers fifty three man. Um, Cam Jurgens made the Eagles fifty three man, which was the most obvious of all of them because the dude was lighting it up in this preseason. And then JoJo Doman was undrafted for the Colts, and he made their fifty three man. As of now, obviously this stuff could change, but I've heard there's a lot of hype around JoJo, so I, I assume I expect him to keep on that team. Uh, so that's pretty cool to see. Uh, I don't know if there's really any other big signings that are, you know, big cuts and stuff that you guys have seen. Um, I, think I guess oh, Josh, um, Josh Gordon got cut. Yeah. yeah. I, Which I, I, really I, I honestly forgot he was on so. the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> forgot he's in the league. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's big signing wise or. Potential cut-wise was Jimmy G. There's a lot of rumors around him. Was he going to get traded? Was he going to get cut? I ended up neither. Uh, they redid his contract to, I believe, 6 or $9 million. And then with incentives, he can get up to 16 or $17 million. Uh, they So basically more of, a, more of a backup contract compared to his 26, I believe it was, or what, 20, 26, something like that. Um that he would have been paid if he got cut or something. So that's 
That's pretty good for the, the Niners, I think. It's good for Jimmy, but it makes that really complicated. I mean, they, they've been saying this the whole offseason that it's Trey Lance's team and they keep Jimmy G around. I mean, I know they seem cool about it, him and him and Jimmy. They seem to be on the same page, and Jimmy seemed to be a lot of help to Trey um, from what Trey has said. But it just seems kind of seems kind of weird there because I mean, what if Trey comes out here and just struggles the first three weeks or something like that, or you know they come out against the uh, the Bears and he just looks like shit. You know, what point though they switch to Jimmy G or they just keep riding with Lance? You know, I feel like it's gonna make it really weird in the locker room if Trey struggles at all during the season. Yeah. Um I I got a couple guys here that got claimed and waived. Uh so Blake Martinez got released by the Giants, which I think was kind of a somewhat surprising move. He'd been playing pretty well for them, but they weren't paying him much. Um OJ Howard got released by the Bills and got signed by the Texans. Like that's mostly the bigger name guys that have had stuff happen. And then Harold Landry tore his ACL. None that had to do with Jimmy G. I know. I, I was going off. The <laughs> Dude, I'm like sitting here with. awkwardly like wondering. Like, that was what the I got for like, <laughs> like signings or anything. That There was really nothing else that was crazy that happened. Um, but the Jimmy G situation is kind of a <laughs> weird scenario. Because if you're in that locker room, it's got to be awkward. Like, obviously, I, I would assume Trey and, and Jimmy are okay with the situation, given everything going on. But, like, it, it's got to be weird, because Trey knows that if he, he starts, like, playing like shit, they could easily just bench him for Jimmy. Like, and and I'm assuming he also knows that he's got to try his best to stay healthy, which is why they kept Jimmy around as well. Like... I don't remember how many games he started last year. Is that three or four? Yeah, somewhere around there. And he got hurt, like, I think it was three-ish or four times during last season. Like, that's not very good to... It's not a very good look for you if you don't play a whole lot and you still can't stay healthy. Like, how is the team supposed to trust you during a whole season? Yeah, Jake, what are you thinking of it? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know if Tim was still going. Yeah, um, it's it's difficult because you know you want your young quarterback that you put you know a lot of assets into getting to feel you know confident and comfortable in leading a team, a, a team that has a Super Bowl roster, and you know. You bring in a guy who is clearly good enough in, in a lot of people's eyes, and, I mean, he has led the team to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm higher on Jimmy G than I think most people are. I think, you know, he can win a Super Bowl. He's shown us you can get to the, you know, especially with the Niners. Um, I think, I think if you're the Niners, you only have Jimmy G on that roster. In case Lance goes down, if he starts playing bad, 
you know, you have to keep you have to keep him in there. You got to put him to the fucking flames, and you got to see what he's made of. And um, you know, if they if they decide they want to keep Jimmy G and keep him longer, I think that'll just prove that you know Trey Young, you know, might have not Trey Young, <laughs> Trey Lance might be you know not a dud, but you know not worth what they gave up for him. Um, I don't think there was ever going to be a trade partner. I think his contract was too high. I think this was kind of the the right move for for everyone but Trey Lance. So, uh, yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, one, one plus maybe from it is it does lower his contract. So, say one of these teams, you know, has a quarterback go down and they start struggling, that maybe opens up a trade for him. Um, I will say though, in his contract, he does have like a no trade yeah. clause. Like they can't trade him unless he's like good with it. Yeah, so that'd be probably a good team to make his trade too. Which, if quarterback goes down, I think that's probably the most the best case scenario there. Um, Saints. Well, they don't have a quarterback to begin with, but <laughs> um, I guess they do. He just sit on the bench, the red rifle. Uh, other big signing news, uh, Russell Wilson got a contract extension with the Broncos. A five-year extension worth $245 million with 165 of it guaranteed. Uh, I'm not necessarily shocked. I, for some reason, thought there was an extension in the trade. Apparently there wasn't. But I still think he has two years left on his current deal or something like that. Two or three. Yeah, he'll be signed till 2028. So, I'll kind of... Surprising, there's a five-year, but, I mean, if he's, you know, what he's been, that's big for Denver, um, especially with the kind of rotation they've had with quarterbacks here of late. Um, I don't know if the money, I mean, the only 165 of it guaranteed, maybe, is kind of surprising, you know, especially with the way the quarterbacks are wanting all of it guaranteed now. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a bad move for Denver. I mean, it gives them some stability there at the quarterback position that they've they've haven't had for since Manning, really. Um, I don't know what you guys are thinking about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a lot of time they're investing into him, and I don't necessarily think it's a bad decision. It's just like. Is Russell gonna be the same in, in in four years from now? Like it, when you get that old as an athletic quarterback, like you kinda of tend to hit like this wall and then you're never the same again. Like not even close to the same again. So it's kind of a risk, but I mean obviously if it if if Russell can stay I would say just like similar to what he is, he's been. It's a good investment given their turmoil as of late at that position. But like, it's it's kind of similar to like the Von Miller signing. It's a lot of fucking time. Like, should you really be investing that much time into those those guys at their current age? Yeah, I mean, I think this makes a little more sense than the Von Miller yeah, one. Yeah, it does, but it's like just like time frame wise, like he's now under contract for seven years. Um, 
seems pretty crazy. So the way I kind of look at it is like, I I agree. I do think it's kind of a long time. I think it almost is like, well, Russ is going to retire as a Bronco. I think that that's yeah. kind of what it is. Uh, maybe it might be the plan too. I don't know. Um, I think I think you do it because you know, like you guys say, you you sure up that quarterback position. Let's just say you get five. I'm not saying great, but five good years of Wilson. It's worth it. You know what I mean. And then so. You know, and if especially if you look at it long term, you know there. The older he gets, the salary cap's going to go up. So down the line, you're really not going to be paying him that much money. It's probably his last contract extension. Um, I'm a Raider fan. I thought it was a good move. I think, you know, new owner, new quarterback, lock it up, move forward. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought it was a good move. I don't really have an issue with it. Besides, you know, the Broncos have a quarterback now, but. <laughs> yeah, I think that I mean that pretty much covers all the big stuff that's happened in the NFL so far um, since the preseason has ended uh, this Thursday the regular season starts football NFL is finally back now um, pretty excited to see especially the starts off with a, a banger of a game with the Rams and the Bills should be a really really good game as long as uh, Stafford is 100% which he says he is I'm so pretty excited for that. Um, but I guess we'll get into I guess college football, which part of me kind of has been dreading yeah. talking about. Um, last weekend was the start of college football, week zero. And I suppose we'll get it out of the way right away. Uh, the Huskers shit the bed. Again, um, you know, I don't... With me, along with a lot of Husker fans, I had a lot of high hopes going into this season. It's not it's not over. The season's not over. Uh, but definitely was a step backwards, a big step backwards than what I was expecting. You know, the offense came out and looked good. You know, I think they played good the first half and about halfway through three third three quarters of the way through that third quarter. You know, Casey looked really, really good. He was he seemed confident and was, was making plays. Um, you know, have the Moss touch or the, you know, the, we Moss do in the end zone for touchdown on the, the first drive. Like, okay, this offense looks great. Uh, but we never could get the run going. Um, and then, you know, last year when we put up 44 on them, it was Yant, a big power back that did it. And a lot of QB running. Well, we didn't run Casey Thompson once. You know, the only QB run I saw was when they brought Smothers in in the third randomly. We got like a seven-yard gain with the face mask on top of it, which was probably the second biggest run of the se- the game for us behind Grant's long touchdown run. Um, but I think overall the line the old line played better than in the than years prior. They kept Casey kind of clean. He did take some hits towards the end, but that's because the run wasn't developed. Nothing could go on in the run game. We kind of had to go away from it, um, so they kind of just teed off on him with the pressure. Uh, but then all of a sudden there's something. Something clicked. I think it was when, or unclicked, I guess. You know, Casey missed that that deep ball to to Trey that was going to be a touchdown, and it seemed like that kind of just took all the confidence out of out of Casey. Um, and he just started missing throws, you know, missing them wide and shit that he wasn't doing previously. Um, the big issue 
the biggest issue probably of the game was Scott Frost's very, very questionable decision for the onside kick up 11. You know, they, they just gained the momentum back um, after blowing an 11-point lead due to a um, fumble that shouldn't have been overturned. They finally get an 11-point lead back up, and they just do – I don't know. I mean, yes, you get it, and then you can throw it down their throats and maybe end it, but – or what happens happened, and you take all the momentum you just gained – and give it back to a dangerous Northwestern team um, that doesn't make mistakes. Um, so that was just, I don't understand that. I don't get that. He says he regrets it now, but I don't understand it at the time either. Um, but the biggest, you know, everything, the offense looked better than it did last year. I thought the O-line looked better than it did last year. Less penalties. I don't think we had a single penalty all game. I think Northwestern only had like two. Um so that was pretty clean football, which we haven't been seeing. The special teams missed an extra point or a field goal, but it was a long field goal. So I don't really discredit that towards special teams. The punts looked good. Looks like our special teams is better. But what we thought was the strength of this team was our defense and our defensive line, and it was awful. That D line was absolute trash. Uh, we didn't have. I don't think we rushed uh, the quarterback once. I think we got one pressure. Like Garrett maybe got one pressure on him all game. They let Hall rush for over 100 yards on us. I think they had 500 yards of offense. Um, it was just a very, very piss poor performance on the defense, which I was not expecting. You know, I don't know if it was the jet lag, and for some reason it just affected us more, or we let it affect us more. I don't know, but I was very worried about that defense side of the ball. I think the offensive side of stuff we can sure up and fix, because um, a lot of it at the end of the game was just missed throws and drops. Um, but the defense scared me. Um, and then the last thing I want to say before I turn it over to you guys was it was pretty disappointing. You know, Trey Palmer looked great. I was the great addition to this offense. I projected Anthony Grant as a starter. Um, I think he's going to be really good. I wish they would have ran Yant more. But Omar Manning, I didn't see touch field once, which he's a big body dude. I think would have been a lot of help. And then Fadone wasn't even on the – Tim said he wasn't even on the roster for the travel roster. So I don't know what's going on with him. Um, he's somebody that I've been looking forward to seeing on the field. He tore his ACL last year, and we just haven't seen him on the field yet. I was, you know, Volkolek went down, like, okay, here's Fedone's time, and then, then wasn't on the field. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, hopefully he's back this week, or at least Omar's back this week. Um, we got two games here that we need to, to kind of dominate to get in a rhythm before we host Oklahoma. Uh, but I think I talked long enough. I'll see you. Uh, what do you guys, Tim, what do you think of the, the the debacle that was the Huskers Northwestern game? Honestly, I think, I think the offense looks good. There was obviously miscues and the running game didn't look great. Um, but there's also, you know, guys change position on the offensive line and it, it's kind of different now because, you know, for three years, Jerks was the spearhead. But they don't have him anymore. So you kind of have to adjust how you're going to play the run as as offensive linemen. And you're going to have to, to build those relationships in-game. It, it's going to take in-game reps to figure it out. And at times, they actually looked really good. Like on Grant's uh, long touchdown run, they that hole was like five yards wide. Like it was massive. And they did that a couple times, but the linebackers would fill up really well. Um, and other times they would just kind of 
to be kind of lazy getting off the ball and run blocking. Um, they kept Casey clean until, you know, late in the fourth when basically it was obvious passing down. Um, even then, I still think they did a good job, you know, covering up the pressures for the most part. Um, and I was really disappointed in not seeing, you know, Shenander be what I would assume he's kind of been the past couple of years where he's made that defense really great. He brings pressure. He, you know, dis- like disguises certain coverages. He's very creative. They looked very basic, and I don't know if that's because there's a lot of new faces or if he just expected that defensive line to be able to get pressure themselves. But he also didn't really adjust during the game. It was kind of just the same old, like, continue to do the same thing and same thing and same thing. And while I think that the linebackers didn't play bad, I think I think Heinrich and Reimer just got tired. Like, they were constantly running, like, sideline to sideline, and they're trying to fill these massive holes, and they get caught up in the cluster, and then that leaves, you know, Buford, who's a first-time starter, and he looked good for the most part. Um, trying to fill a hole, and he's not like Deontay Williams. He's not like Dismuke. He's not like Boodle. He's not not there yet. And so I think it's kind of a lot of dysfunction that was happening. Um, and I disagree with the onside kick call. I think you have to, in that type of game, you have to force a Northwestern team that was playing well and was not making mistakes to drive the field. Like there were times where you guys, they, they kind of, you know, got in bad situations or, you know, their quarterback missed a throw here or there and it resulted in them having to punt or in bad situations. You got to try to put them back in that. Like you can't give them momentum like that. You have to just kick it deep. I understand you want to be aggressive, but that's not the time. Like you got to understand that if you kick that onside kick and they get it, that gives them so much momentum because they're almost already in field goal range. And the way they're moving the ball, especially just running it, that's pretty much a guaranteed field goal. And I would like to say the special teams look good outside of that. Obviously, that wasn't the kicker's fault. But the punts look good. The punt coverage looked good. Um, kickoffs, you know, they all went to the end zone. Um, I think that field goal is pretty close. And, it, it you know... In the past, we wouldn't even have thought to attempt that field goal. So, you know, it's 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 refreshing to be able to see that. To see that we had the guys that they were at least willing to attempt it. Um, and I do think that these next two games are, you know, I would say they're easy wins is what they should be looked at as. But if you are, you know, any of the defensive guys, you have to go out there and you have to, you know, earn, earn a black shirt. Like, you have to show that you can dominate a team like don't get me wrong Northwestern's left tackle that dude's a stud and he's gonna get drafted pretty high probably he's a really good player but the rest of the offensive line for Northwestern isn't like the highly touted guys and you got dominated all game and the only one who looked like he was really trying outside of Garrett was a guy who is pretty much mostly unknown by most Husker fans I would assume in Feist and he doesn't even look like a D tackle and he was constantly trying showing effort and running after the play and you know trying to make plays. So I think it's just about consistency from now on. Like putting things together 
and making the right decisions and seeing Shenander be Shenander again. Yeah, I'm going to oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I was just going to pass it over to you. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I think it's just it's time for us to just come to the terms that Frost is a bad coach. Um, how many close games are we going to lose? Um, before you, you know, you know what we have and what we have is a guy who can't seem to get it done, you know, and that's, you know, that's just kind of how it seems to be. Um, just to piggyback off what you guys said, you know, I didn't get a chance to really watch it, um, because I was you know, at that golf scramble. Um, but you know, the Huskers at least had a chance, you know, (laughs) But it happens every year. We expect a different outcome every year. Our offense did look pretty good. I was I was surprised. Um, like you guys said, our defense, which was supposed to be our strong suit this season, um, it looked awful. <laughs> it looked really bad. And um, you know, you can say what you want about the onside kick. You know, but it really, it really deflated those guys when the, when we didn't get it. You know, it was like, you know, it almost was like all the air kind of got left out. And then you started to see it as a Husker fan. It was like, you know, flashbacks of every other season. And, you know, you could, you could chalk it up to, you know, yeah, we were playing out of country. You know, that, that could, you know, but so was the other team. So it you know week zero first week first game let's just get back out there, um, we'll see what we do this weekend. Um, but like Tim said, it it should be an easy, easy look at you know as a win it should be an easy win, but our defense has got to play better. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The team looked better. I mean, overall, I think we have more talent than we did last year. I, I've been huge also, on I, Frost. I don't want to discredit Pat Fitzgerald. The dude's actually a really good coach. Like, legitimately. Yeah, no, it's nothing against no, Northwestern. Agreed. They played really, really good. They played their asses off. Mm-hmm. It was just that we were the better team, I think, talent-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been a huge Frost fan. I thought he was going to be the one to turn around, but... You know, I'm starting to starting to really doubt that. We have, you know, we have Whipple, and they're calling the offensive plays. We know he's good. Shikander, or Shikander, whatever, I can't say yeah, right now, um, has proven he's good. It's just the common factor is him, um, and that sucks because I think uh, most of Husker Nation wanted him to succeed, and it just doesn't look like he's going to. Um. So if he gets fired sometime this season, if he doesn't get it turned around, we're going to see if they, you know, who they promote. If it's Whipple, I assume it's going to be him. Uh, but it'll be interesting. You know, we have two games here that we should win. We should dominate. Um, before we, we play Oklahoma, we haven't seen how they're going to look, but they're going to be ranked. I don't see them. I don't know what their schedule is, but I expect them to be undefeated coming into Lincoln. So... Hopefully we get our shit fixed these next two weeks and we can we can play them. Um, 
we just need to play them. <laughs> uh, not get our asses embarrassed. Uh, but I think that's enough on that fucking game. Uh, we'll move on. I didn't really watch much else. Week zero, there wasn't really other big good games on. Uh, but start week one here last night. Purdue played Penn State. I caught a little bit of that game. That game looked really, really good. Uh, I thought Penn State, no, Purdue took them to the wire. Um, and then the game I did watch was a West Virginia pit game, and that was a hell of a football game. It technically got ended on a pick six winner uh, with a really close diving catch at the end of the game that almost you know, pulled off for West Virginia. I was going for West Virginia. I think all of us picked West Virginia in that game. But it was awesome to see football back. Like, those were two good-ass games with the atmosphere and everything. It was, it was awesome to finally watch some good football. I mean, the Husker and Northwestern game was good. It was just a bad outcome. Uh, but I love college football. You know, I, I, most people, I don't know, it's torn. I've people I talk to between college and NFL. But I feel like there's so much more passion in college football. Uh, so I'm really excited to see that back. Um, because we'll get into other really anything else you want to cover. Just want to get straight into our, our picks here on this week one. Yeah, let's just jump into it. All right, we uh week one here we we pick six games. There's some there's some pretty good matchups this weekend. Uh, that I guess we'll get into. We'll start with the West Virginia Pit game just because that game's already over. Uh, we all picked West Virginia. I don't think we really need to go over that one. Uh, they lost pit one. Um, so I guess we'll start with, you know, with our Huskers versus North Dakota. Uh, I have Nebraska winning. Um, I have them optimistically coming out and, and handling business winning 44-17. I think our offense is good enough to put up 44 points. It just depends what that defense can do. Uh, Jake, what do you got? Yeah, you know, um, I have Nebraska winning. I have uh, I have us winning by a comfortable margin, but I don't have us taking care of business just because of our defense. Um, I have a 34-21 uh, Huskers. Tim? Uh, I got the Huskers. Um, I, think, I think you're going to come out there and you're going to see a different Shenander. I, I think he's going to have different play calling happening. I think he's going to be creative with blitzes, and he's going to try to create pressure even if we you know, maybe can't force it naturally. Um, I think that's what he's always been good at. I got him winning 38-10. I, I don't really think you have to question the offense right now. I think Whipple's play calling was good for the most part. So I was get that run game that. going. Yeah. Uh, Jesse has us winning 31-24. Uh, we'll go up to one of the big matchups, if not the biggest matchup of the weekend of week one. Uh, Notre Dame versus Ohio State. Uh, this should be a really, really good matchup. Both ranked. I don't have their rankings, but I think Ohio State's top five. And I think two and seven, Notre, maybe. I, think Notre I thought Dame's, it was three. I thought it was three and five. I'm not sure. Okay, but. that I, Honestly, I thought I Notre know. Dame was five or seven. I couldn't remember what. Uh, this should be a really. This should be a really, really good game. Uh, but I could also see Ohio State blowing out Notre Dame. Uh, I have Ohio State winning this game. I just don't know how Notre Dame is going to be with a coaching change. And I think CJ Stroud's going to be really, really good, potentially the Heisman this year. So it's going to be tough to beat Ohio State, and I don't think Notre Dame 
as a chance week one here. Jake? Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I'm the I'm the same way. Um, I think Ohio State's just too good, um, but I do think it'll I do think it'll be a close game. But Ohio State wins. I got I got Ohio State. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what type of Notre Dame team comes out there because they do have good talent. Um, but just with the coaching change and you know. Maybe a little bit of that outside noise still being there with how everything happened. Um, you're going up against one of, if not, like what would be considered the, I would say probably the third biggest juggernaut outside of like Bama or Georgia. Um, and Caesar Stroud's a monster. And that's not even talking about his weapons. The dude has just got a great arm. He's a really talented player. And I, I just don't think that your game is going to be able to stand, stand with him. Uh, Jesse also has Ohio State winning. Uh, the second biggest game of Week One uh, would be the I don't I think Oregon. Shit, Georgia's like one or two. They might be one, and Oregon's like eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Georgia. I don't see this being a game. I think Georgia's gonna kind of mop the floor with Oregon. Uh, not that Oregon's bad. I just think Georgia's that good. Um. They kind of kind of prove it, you know. They won their they're the defending champs, so they got to come out and kind of to prove that they're that top dog. They're better than Bama. Hopefully they do it. Not hopefully I really don't care. It's also for a good game. Um, but I see Georgia winning this game. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, yeah, Georgia. Uh, Georgia's. I mean, like Tim said, top three powerhouse school up there with. Ohio State and Bama. Um, Oregon's a fun team. They have cool jerseys, but I think it's probably a blowout. Yeah, I, I, I got I got Georgia. Um, the only real question here is like the quarterback battle. So gonna, I believe it's going to be Stetson Bennett versus Bo Nix. So that's the only like question mark, I think, when it comes to Georgia as a like repeat championship team. Is whether Stetson can do it again or not. Outside I of that, like, I I don't think that that Georgia team's gotten any worse. I do like Bo Nix, so hopefully he plays good. But I don't think they're good enough. Yeah. Uh, Jesse has Oregon winning. Um, I want to preface this: Jesse doesn't watch college football at all. He's literally yeah. just on here picking randomly. Um. Not that there should be defense there, but I was letting you everybody know that Jesse's not like a college football watcher. Um, we have uh, another ranked opponent or a matchup. Well, not matchup because Cincinnati, I don't think, is ranked. I don't think so. I don't think so. But Arkansas is ranked. Uh, Arkansas versus Cincinnati in Arkansas. I think Arkansas is going to be pretty good this year. Kansas got, I think, a little bit worse. You know, they got rid of Ritter. Or not rid of. They lost Ritter. And uh, who else did they lose? They lost a wideout, didn't they? Oh, Pierce. Yeah. So I, I don't think Cincinnati is going to be as good this year well, as they were last year. So I, I think Arkansas has a chance to be a really, really good team this year. So I have Arkansas winning this matchup. Yeah, I got the Razorbacks winning. Late change. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I, I got Arkansas winning. I, I, I'm a really big fan of Luke Fickle. Um. I don't like what he brings to the table as a coach and everything, but 
this is kind of similar to like the Oregon Georgia matchup. It's just a different class as far as talent pool and just who they play and everything. Like, it's going to be hard for Cincinnati to go in there and win. I'm not necessarily counting Luke Fickle out. I think you could do it, but Arkansas looks like really good on paper based off what they had last year. Um, so I, I think it'd be, it's going to be closer than people probably think, but I definitely think Arkansas wins. Uh, Jesse also picked Arkansas. And then our final matchup of the weekend is ranked Utah versus Florida. Uh, this Utah team is a really, really good uh, team. You know, they should have beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl or had a big chance to beat them in the Rose Bowl. And they'd be good again this year. Uh, this could be, I think this would be a good matchup, but I think Utah ends up coming out on top. Yeah, I got the Gators. Um, yeah, simple as that. Go Gators. Yeah, I got Utah. Um, they lost Kobe, which he wasn't a big factor on offense, but he was a big part of the return game last year. Um, but I, I think their quarterback is really dynamic. And I think that their offense just looks really good. And as long as they can bring it back the same, like, because they were one of the more creative offenses that I watched last year. And without their corners getting hurt in that game against Ohio State, I think they actually end up winning that pretty handedly. Ohio State really didn't start coming back until they started having injury issues. Um. But I definitely think that they're a team that maybe is like an underdog to make the playoffs right now. If they can string together some wins early on and build that confidence again, I really think they can make the playoffs. I don't think they have a maybe a shot against some of the other teams, but I definitely think that they can make it. Uh, so I got to say this just because uh, that's my brother. So Tim initially picked four for this game. Had him mess that mix, and up. we were talking about it. And Had him mixed up. <laughs> his first reasoning was is because they lost Carson Strong. I'm like Tim, that's Nevada. He's like, oh, well Utah State's not that good. Or he goes, no, they're the same color. I go, Tim, Utah's red and white. Nevada's blue and silver. He goes, oh, time. I thought it was Utah State. So Tim was all <laughs> sorts of man. fucked up on this matchup. Um, <laughs> Tim's like, I he's like, I don't know who's playing. <laughs> Much uh, right Jesse now. has Florida picked. Um, our week, I guess we forgot to go over our week zero results. Jake and I went four and two, and Tim and Jesse went three and three. Birds. <laughs> so <Surprise laughs> covers covers the pick and stuff. Um, I guess the only big news that came out today was that it was voted, and in 2024, 2025, or 2026, the college football playoffs will be switched into 12 teams. Uh, which is long Woo-hoo! overdue. Um, I'm super excited for that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it gives some of these teams a shot, technically. You know, maybe they don't actually have a shot, but at least gives them, you know, a chance. I mean, college football, anything can fucking happen. Uh, you have to go out there and win every Saturday. So I was excited for it. But more meaningful football. Not that every game in college football isn't meaningful, but. I think this is long overdue. I'm super excited that they finally passed this. Uh, yeah, so that's really soon as it came out of college football today. Uh, I think that pretty much covers everything we're going to talk about uh, today. 
Um, football's back. Pretty awesome time of year. Uh, you know, we're less than a week away from NFL being back as well. You know, it's it's pretty awesome when you can go Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday with football on. Uh, great time of year. The weather's starting to cool down a little bit, not get so freaking hot and humid. So, yeah, pretty excited for that. But I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of First and Pick 6. Uh, make sure you go and give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, tell your friends and family about us. Have them listen to the podcast. Tell your dog. Yeah, play it for him when you when you leave him by home or at work. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Deuces.